3: Welcome back to the grim darkness of the
4: 41st millennium. I'm Inquisitor Temperance Price, keeper of the Inquisition's Black Library, and this is the second volume in a report on the Valentine Heresy, an actual play podcast set in the Genesis adaptation of Warhammer 40K's Dark Heresy RPG. This report features Game Master Ryan LaPlante and players Tom McGee as interrogator Nero Abagnale, Laura Elizabeth as Piper Fairley, Tyler Hewitt as Seth Corbin, and Del Borvik as Sister and Mina. My report shows that despite Nero's inebriation, the inquisitorial band have talked their way into the governor's dinner. Piper can no longer use his psycho abilities without risking exposure. Olien is watching over the group's interrogator, and Seth immediately shot a servant after Graswald Cologne directed every dinner guest to kill someone. Can Seth survive the consequences of this very public murder? Find out next in this episode of The Valentine Heresy.
5: Be helpful and go kill something, will you? Fabius Bile to a junior officer while organizing the defense of Belial Four. Seth, you have just shot a servant with the last pistol off of a tray. They have fallen dead. Uh, The security is screaming, get down, get down. And another security officer in a flying tackle uh, throws you to the ground and they roughly shackle your hands behind your body. However, from the stage, you hear Gazi go, wait, what happened? Who did what? And Pe- the crowd has fallen silent and I'll take it a step back from your group.
6: and Pettis turns to the stage and says, "Well, there was a servant who was shot. Was he shot by someone important? It was someone who works for someone important.
7: Uh, and I'll I'll step forward and just introduce uh, and I guess whisper to Pettis will be like, I'm sorry, on on my world, I don't do much of the shooting. I kind of make him do it, so it was by my hand. And I'll just wave to the stage and kind of stand behind him with arms crossed happily.
6: It was on behalf of someone important. This man is worth a great deal of money looking to buy prom. How can he
8: afford to pay for the dead person? Yes. All right, then he can pay for them and take a finger off of the offender. Uh, chain him, collar him, put him on a leash. And everyone else, just to be clear, no killing the servants. I said kill something. Go out into the yard where there's things to kill. You know, delectum mortem It's the classics have fun fuck off
5: uh and then he just like blows a raspberry and gazzy staggers over to a bar on the stage that has been wheeled out and starts getting drunk just leaving Ranted, just drooling in his wheelchair in the middle of the stage completely oh.
8: Forgotten.
9: Oh.
5: he has a history of human rights abuses <laughs> fuck him too you don't okay. have to feel bad it's 40k um remember he built this house and raised this son uh <laughs> The guards holding him down. You see, Pettus turns to you, Nero, and just says, All right,
6: so for the servant, it's going to be 100,000 thrones. They do a significant markup here.
5: Uh, you do have a count set aside for the Clean Energy Collective. You mm. would have organized that with Abacus. You are the Inquisition as a strike team. What I'll say is this makes a significant dent in the money you had set aside for the spending on this mission, so you can't just kind of bribe your way to glory at all times. You're mm-hmm. still not tapped out. You have the ability to do some bribes and other things. Sure. That's what Pettis says to you.
7: Yeah, I'll uh, I'll, I'll nod and say, uh, yeah, that's entirely fair. I I understand, you know, and I'm sorry. He, he's he's very enthusiastic. Uh, dumb as a sack of rocks, but enthusiastic. Listen, um... I feel terrible about this. This is clearly a big faux pas. And I mean, uh, you know, I, I, appreciate that justice will be served here in a, in a, a very, very reasonable way considering we just, you know, shot one of your people. Um, how about this? Um, I feel so, so bad. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to give you a hundred thousand now in cash, if that's easier, you know, if you just want to deal in cash, but, um, I'd also be happy as, as we are, uh, people of business uh successful business to knock 150 thousand uh off our deal like let's 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 maybe swing it that way even more money but we'll just make it part of the transaction to really show how much penance we feel you know both financially and also uh in in terms of uh uh you know honoring Y'all in your, your society. So we'll add an extra 150000 onto our purchase price of uh, of the prom. Does that work for you? Or do you, you want some all, dirty money?
5: Somehow, collectively, all of you see dollar signs roll up in Pettis' eyes. This man is completely <laughs> driven by it. And 50,000 bonus thrones for no effort on his part is a clear win. Also, it helps that you rolled so high in convincing his flunky with your contracts. It checks out enough that he's sure this sale is going to happen. Nice. Oh yes, that's that's very reasonable. Very reasonable. And he just produces a data slate, Tom, that you can like <clears throat> sign, essentially guaranteeing the addition to the additional contract yeah, to the state official that. Yeah. All right. Uh, down on the floor, Seth, you were being very roughly manhandled. Uh, they have taken your last pistol away. They have shackled your hands in front of you and slapped one of the explosive collars on you that they use for the psychers. However, this one has like a metal leash coming off of it that extends about six feet. Uh, and at the end is just a little handhold with a big red button on the thumb, which is clearly the trigger for it. Uh, And the security officer just offers it to Mina. You're the closest. So Sister Mina gets, and he's like, So are
6: you going to look after him?
9: Oh, it is my duty as
6: always. Great. If you let this leash go, uh, he blows up. So just make sure you keep it in your hand. Uh, You're going to be fine. Uh, and then Pettis says, oh, yes, and we have to get to the punishment. And one of the guards goes, oh, right. And he just takes
5: out a knife and, Seth, he grabs your left hand and just cuts off your left pinky, just kind of like with a thumb, like paring it off your hand. Yeah. Uh, take one wound. Uh, you can't soak this one. This one you just have nope, to deal with.
1: That would make sense. <laughs> I'm not going to be like, I'll, I'll tough it out. Uh, yeah.
7: You just tuck it into your
1: armor and you're like, okay,
7: cut now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
5: <laughs> Uh, And the guard (laughs) will pick up the last pistol that you shot the servant with uh, and use its like red hot barrel to cauterize the wound. So you're not actively bleeding as you walk around, at which point the guards, (laughs) two of the guards are clearly angry because the servant was involved. And the last one, who's the one who cauterized your wound, looks at Pettis and the money that clearly is coming from Nero and looks at you, Seth, and just says, have a nice day, I guess. Uh, and, And he leaves knowing his station is kind of well below. Uh, where the rest of you are at. Uh, The back doors to this ballroom have opened, and you see they actually open out into a large garden area where the rest of the crowd has been filtering out to while giving you a large collection of dirty looks. Uh, You are getting dirty looks from everyone for having committed a random homicide. Uh, But Mm -hmm. the dirtiest looks your party is getting are actually from the people wearing green because the only colors present in your party are blue and black. Mm. So there will be assumptions made based on that. Uh and the greens do not care for it. Uh if you follow the crowd out which I mean Pettis would kind of gesture you that way and there's not a whole lot of opportunities to stay. Uh you start getting walked out into this garden area. It's actually on the fourth floor of the citadel, so it's well above the city level. The citadel is on a raised section to begin with. So If you wanted to walk around a garden in your own citadel, no one could snipe you from any of the neighboring buildings other than maybe the PDF bastion, but it's a stretch away. To be clear, this is a large city. Think like, um, for the Canadians among us, uh, Toronto, including the GTA, or think any of the major American cities. Like it's a population of at least a million or more spread throughout this area. It's a very big, very large kind of center, clearly placed over the largest kind of prom reserves and within the best shipping zones at the equatorial kind of center of the planet. Uh, From space, you can see it's less terraformed towards the poles because they're really focusing on the areas where people could live and where the reserves are. The garden is gorgeous. It has got trees and bushes that have been shaped into various kind of animals and other imperial figures. There are flower gardens. There's a ton of walkways. It's clearly designed to have hundreds of people in it. Uh, And changes have been made for this event. You can see that there are a large number of birds that are kind of wandering around the ground or have been fenced in from above. There's actually a giant net preventing things from leaving. Uh, And you start to see the nobles out there with last pistols all shooting random birds or there are kind of like smaller animals running around on the ground that are mammalian. Over in the corner, there's clearly a pen of groks, which you would all recognize, which are the 40K cow equivalent, only they're giant terrifying lizards. So think of like a buffalo with a Komodo dragon kind of layered over it spiritually. Um, those are in a pen where they clearly have tougher weapons for people who want to go throw down with a grox. Uh, and then over on the left side, you can actually see a lineup of about 10 orange-clad prisoners that are chained and collared against the wall, looking very, very nervous. Over in that direction, you can see a number of kind of teenagers, for lack of a better term, but like young nobles who are all kind of psyching each other up and pointing at them, but nobody has done anything uh pettis is hovering over your collective group's shoulder you come out he says
6: oh uh, yes unfortunately for the mistake inside uh this is the delectamenti mortum. it is a classic tradition amongst the hives of the artis worlds everyone present must kill something that becomes part of the feast to follow for we all feast upon the death we have given which is why he said everyone had to kill something not Someone else in the party is your confused friend uh, committed that murder. Uh, no one will be allowed back into the hallway until they have themselves killed something for dinner. So don't kill the other guests, but you have the options of there are the prisoners over in the wall. For those of you who have more daring tastes, there are the birds flying about. There are the small mammals and rodents. And for those of you feeling brave, there are the groks over on that side please wander about kill your thing but try to be efficient everyone wants to eat
5: and you're seeing a lot of the crowd is at the moment they've killed something a servant dashes over and picks it up in their livery and kind of runs it in to, through a side door around the hallway and once people have done that they're welcome to go back into the main hall so clearly you can go do more schmoozing there once you've picked out the thing you want to murder what do you do? You have been left to your own devices. You have last pistols. Uh, Mina, you have Seth on his explosive leash. Uh, you can give that to another member of the party should you so wish. Uh, Seth has already made his kill, so Seth <laughs> does not need to kill anything.
7: I'll lean over as soon as we have kind of a second uh, to Seth and uh, just say, uh, how's, how's the hand? Uh, Seth is, like, shaking
1: and sweating and panting just from the intense uh, trauma of having your finger taken off. Um, mm-hmm. He doesn't uh, <laughs> have a response for you currently. Um, you can, you'll have to kind of just look him up and down to get an idea. He's uh, racked with pain. Yeah. Cool.
9: <clears throat> Olean, oh. who will still be holding his leash, she also still has the drink in her other hand, so she's just going to give it <laughs> to Seth because she... Feels like he has suffered for his <laughs> mistake.
1: the The drink you're giving yeah, him, yeah, okay. uh, he'll he'll down that in like one big gulp. Another taste of
5: fuel and oil and the burn of alcohol, but Seth, you're feeling it. It's it's yeah. not a bad way. Like I think the booze is just doing that little kind of a warm. You're a little loose, as yeah. much as you can be, missing a finger uh, with an explosive <laughs> collar and shackles.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: Um, I mean, Piper just looks over um, to the prisoners. Is there anyone standing near them?
5: Uh, No, they're clearly not being supervised. They're just there for if somebody wants to get hardcore. You you don't know the terms of their sentence. You could probably, like, Pettis is wandering around clearly looking for something that's big enough that he would feel okay, like, feel good about it, but not, you know, going over to fight a Grox. Uh for those of you who are looking more in that direction, you can actually see they have like a power sword, a power axe, and a power fist if people want to get into a grox pen to try to take one down for the meal. Um, otherwise it's kind of he seems to be looking for something, you know, predatory. You get the feeling Pettis needs to like do his social duty and is like, okay, there's got to be the equivalent of like a lynx or like something like that, where he's like, Okay, it's scary, but I can eat it. So you could go ask him for more questions. I
3: would, I would, I, I just have a simple question for Pettis. So I think I'd just kind of call, beckon him over.
6: Oh um, yes, sorry, I was looking for, for a, a Grix cat.
3: All right, Um. I just quick quick question. Um. These prisoners, is there any chance that they'll be released or are they just gonna be a drain on society forever?
6: Well, I mean, they're gonna be a drain on society. Pretty
3: all right, much, and no then I just, <laughs> all right, thank you. And Ward, <laughs> and I just kind of <laughs> gestured to Warden like, all right, you can take one for me since I obviously can't have a weapon. Uh.
6: Uh, hmm, interesting question. Uh, you technically do need to kill something for the dinner to work, so... Hmm. You could use this.
5: Uh, And he reaches into his pocket, (gasps) and he just takes out a shiv. It's like a little, tiny, fancy dinner knife that's about three inches long, like the blade's super short, as much a letter
6: opener as a knife. And he's like, I think it's okay if he has a sword for you to use that for a moment, so go ahead.
3: And I, I take it, and I just casually walk up to. Oh, please the,
6: don't do this. Please, you don't.
3: You don't need I, to. I'm not a bad guy. Yeah, but you're a drain on society. You we can't have that. And she <laughs> just shoves him. <laughs>
5: oh, I, I have children. I have so many children. Uh, and he, he, you just keep stabbing him, and then he's dead. Yeah, you should um, have
4: thought about that.
5: You look back to like gesture Warden towards one of them. Warden has just already killed a bird. Just like sword up, bird dead. <laughs> re, re, kind of there. Uh, Pettis is like,
6: whoa, I have to admit my astropaths weren't blood hungry at all. They just kept saying I'm hungry and thirsty and then they died. So
3: <laughs> he said, "Well, to be clear, I'm not blood hungry. I'm just doing a, literally a service to your fine city.
6: You are a party of surprising heartiness. Interesting. I will
7: take back my bleed. Thank you. Uh, I have no. to go find that Grix cat. You give them a taste of water. Next thing you know, they want a little taste of blood. It's it's fine. We got it under control. Good luck with your Grix cat hunt. I believe in you. You're gonna do great. Thanks.
3: If you all hey. know, I grew where I grew up. Like you weren't worth anything. You just died, right?
6: Where did you grow up?
3: I didn't have a name. I don't know what you call them. Death worlds.
6: Oh, like a jungle planet
3: the jungle fire whatever
6: (laughs) interesting interesting then you were lucky to have found your gift to be given even 15 more years of life would be a gift if you normally die when you're five you're not wrong
7: can i roll a perception to see if i see a grix cat somewhere uh yes absolutely uh, I will say difficulty two. This is difficulty not designed two? to actually hide the creatures, but there's yeah, totally. harder yeah. than the other stuff. Yeah, there's just a lot of people around. I get mm. it. Uh, all right, so that's perception and cunning. Also experiencing new sheets. Uh, difficulty two. And um, one moment. Yeah, as no, you're no, all no, talking, no, and something. as this
5: is going on, you are hearing random gunshots and, like, animals dying around uh, the event.
7: Uh, all right, cool. Uh, I get one success and one advantage um so i i assume i i spot one (laughs) i would say yeah you spot
5: one and and it it's still enough you can point it out and i'll even say with the advantage pettis can get his kill
7: great i'll just nudge him in quietly in very much like a i i know that this needs to look like it's all you i'll just nudge him and give a little nod um in uh a night the roxbury like hey let's go hit on this person aggressively and get (laughs) shot down kind of way um and then just uh kind of turn away to let him do it so it doesn't look like i'm helping great now i'll check his shooting skill
5: oh just shoot (laughs) blasts the fucking Grix cat right in the face. Like it just, Aww. bam, Grix cat's got no head. And he says, oh, excellent.
6: Excellent. I did a good job. Thank you. Now, should we find you a Grix cat as well? Perhaps they taste most succulent.
7: I mean, yeah, that sounds, look, you didn't steer me wrong on like the, the, uh, the, that, tasty prom bevy. So yeah, let's, let's do it. Um, you know, uh, and I'll turn to, um, Olean and say, uh, uh, you can you can fend for yourself, I assume.
9: She's just going to give a slow nod and she's going to wait for Piper to come back so she can hand off Seth so his head doesn't <laughs> explode.
5: <laughs> Successfully handed off, I think we can say, as Nero goes off with a pet S to find his Grix cat.
9: Yep. And Oleanne's definitely going, she's just going to try and kill one of the, the cows. She sees a power sword and she's like, I need to work out some of this Aggression. Some <laughs> of this internal turmoil needs to just, it'll make her feel better.
5: So you can fight a Grox with a power sword, a power axe, or a power fist.
9: I think, I think a power sword is
5: probably. This
7: is the best power. game of rock, paper, scissors I think yeah. I've ever
5: heard. <laughs> Uh, You are one of probably only three people to try this. Uh, The other two are both clad in green, and they're both kind of the biggest, Mm. tankiest-looking, clearly gen-hanced individuals. So people notice this from the crowd. The Groxes are not a super popular option amongst the various things you can shoot because there are a lot of zero-risk options. So, sorry, you said power fist?
9: Power sword.
5: Power sword, great. I'm just confirming the stats here so um, I can tell you. What's What's your brawn right now? Five five cool. great. So the damage on your power blade our power sword is uh 11 is your base damage with a crit of, with a crit of 2. Nice. Uh and because it has breach 2, I'm going to say that you actually have pierce of 4 cuz I think breach a double in uh in terms of stabbiness. So you, oh man, <laughs> I got to find this Grock stat.
9: I'm doing it. I, mean, I think I think do another <laughs> <laughs> I think another reason she's like doing this is because of the major fuck up that she realizes, like, this would probably look good to the team. and mm. would probably give us some leg up. So, have to help. Like,
5: <laughs> so you uh, are allowed into this central pen where they're going to release a Grox into basically a small kind of arena. Uh okay. it's only probably you know 50 feet by 50 feet. It's got a bit of a crowd forming because the crowd that we're all drifting in having killed their like stupid birds or rats or whatever are all kind of pausing because they want to see this strange new uh person go to go to war with a grox. So you have a moment to prepare. I'm going to put you at the beginning of the initiative order for this just because I think <laughs> yeah. a grox is coming out not tactically you are going to get the drop on it as okay. they kind of too little Mechanicus servants just extend servo arms well beyond their limit from where they're safe and just yank out the divider and a Grox snorting and growling uh, as saliva drips from its long fangs lunges into the arena but not necessarily at you they're not the most brilliant thing it's just a pissed off animal uh, what do you do
9: oh she's just going to take the sword in her one hand stride forward and just stabbing to it
5: Great. Let's go with a melee light. <laughs> okay. Uh, it has zero defense. So you will be, it'll be difficulty two because it is the base for a melee okay. attack. Oh, nope. It'll be difficulty one because it is so large that it is several silhouettes beyond yours, meaning oh. it's like trying to hit a barn door with a sword. Okay, <laughs> okay. Good odds nice. of connecting. Uh, let's <laughs> let's see what happens.
9: Okay. Um. I think I have got this right? It's my. Uh, this do you is want to use any story role.
5: points, or is there anything Ooh. anyone else
7: wants to add?
9: Should I use a story point? It's a little ridiculous, but
7: <laughs> I mean, I feel like your your argument that this is you trying to like earn us some cred and like really <laughs> um, show well in the eyes of uh, of the those in green. Um, it was the ones in green who were in the pit with, or in the the pen as well, right? Like they the were the linebacker.
5: they'd also gone up and yeah, box, yeah, yeah.
7: yeah. So I mean to my mind, given that we're working from a severe disadvantage, I think a story point's very reasonable here. Like, it's not life or death, but it is... Yeah. Yeah. Well,
9: yeah, this boring. could be
7: social life or death, because right. there's the Who's social combat as well. Use that story
9: point. Okay, Plus, I'm taking a story point.
7: <laughs> you really gotta work some shit out, and I feel like that just <laughs> yeah. jacks it's you up there. a little bit more, you know?
9: It's definitely, it's definitely in there. All right. Um. So, I've got one green, four yellow, one purple. <laughs> we're gonna roll.
8: Yep,
5: that... That feels right. I'm going oh. to be honest. You're ambushing a Grox in a pen. You have okay. all the advantages.
9: <laughs> I got three successes, four advantages,
0: one triumph. <laughs> the Fable and Folly Network supports creators of exceptional audio stories, including the one you're listening to right now. If you love our shows, we want to hear from you. Complete our listener survey at fableandfolly.com survey.
8: This is Fabius Bile reaching out to
5: all those arch-heretics and other dangerous psychopaths out there. There is only one way to truly defeat the Emperor and his pathetic Lickspittles, and that is to make sure that they do not unify themselves and their false beliefs and empty gods.
8: They must not join a Patreon. They must never join patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Then our
5: cabal can rise to the heights of brutality and cruelty. We can slay every player character, skin the flesh from their bones, and leave them with no hope remaining. Unless, somehow, people go to patreon.com slash dumdumdice. With enough support, perhaps they could stop us. But that... Will never happen.
9: <laughs> so that's, hey! it's,
3: uh, yeah, that's like my like
9: fourteen my... damage, <laughs>
3: 14 <unless laughs> a triumph, Eight. fifteen damage. And isn't your crit too? Yes. Yeah. So you score like
5: three here's the deal normally i would still play this out because grocs have a lot of wounds but that adds up to like four crits so i think what i'm gonna say is you can kill it in one round but it's gonna be bloody and you need oh. to tell us how it happens
9: oh oh definitely <laughs> oh definitely so so she just you know one sword strike comes down and she she hesitates for a moment after that like waiting like you know is it gonna attack again and then it it just doesn't seem to because it's just an append animal. And so she's just like shaking her head and she lifts the sword again and she's like, Emperor, guide my blade. And she just <laughs> slashes through it. Yeah, and, and then- the crowd's
5: just hearing like, <laughs> <laughs> just bellowing rocks <laughs> as you're hacking
9: away. Yep, yeah, yeah. She's like, You are all part of the plan, too. Thank you for your service. And she's just hacking away at it. And the blood is just spattering everywhere, like all over her coat, all over her dress. She doesn't care. It's all over her face. It's like she doesn't even flinch as just blood splashes across her.
5: I think Piper, where you're where you're standing watching this, you're just hearing the crowd around you be like, these new people are fucked up. <laughs> like it's just between the prisoner, the servant murder and this grok slaughter.
3: Meanwhile, like Laura agrees, Piper is indifferent.
5: Yeah. <laughs> um when,
9: once she's done with that, she will just like she will stab the sword into the ground and like take a knee and do a tiny prayer. Like, thank you. Emperor for providing and then she'll basically take part of her coat and wipe her face off a little <laughs> bit and then walk on back to where Seth is and then she'll be like I also got dinner for you apparently
5: I think you're the only blood-stained person leaving the food area. Uh, Nero, can you roll me, I, I would say, either perception or ranged light. I don't think Grix cats are that hard to take out. So one would be a roll to see if you can find it to hunt it, and the other would be shooting it. Right. Uh, and I'm sorry, I, had, I was just getting my dice roller up. Uh, the pool for that again? Uh, for a Grix cat, I would say, realistically, you short range. So it just be one difficulty against. Um, okay. I will say, I will add... Two setback just because i think with the sheer number of murders going on they're getting smarter about
7: hiding yeah well it would also make sense that if like pettis as a man of taste who wants to shoot a fancy cat for for dinner is likely like that's probably not an uncommon game hunter philosophy from these assholes right yeah so yeah that makes sense uh okay cool so range light yep um and um I'm going to sneeze as part of my my strategy here. Uh, and then, um, Ryan, if I could spend my... Well, I guess we're wandering around to find it, so I likely can't spend a maneuver to aim. Oh, no, like, I'd, give,
5: I'd give you an aim maneuver. Okay, I think correct. that's reasonable. So um, gonna, I will upgrade the difficulty by one, though, just because I think I want to
7: put a little spice in there. All right, so you're spending story point to upgrade to red? Yeah, I'll give you one red die dope uh and then by spe- uh, i uh, i'm a crack shot uh so Ooh. i reduce my setback by one and i add a boost for aiming uh um, all right so you've got two. So currently i've got three yellow one red one blue one black
5: huh.
7: um yes uh one
8: success <laughs>
5: World's Great. greatest ice pool, one success. Yep. You you successfully kill a grix cat. Uh, so you've both bagged those. Uh, you're part of the last group, kind of to enter back, simply because you went for two of the higher quality game, uh, mm-hmm. as well as battling a grox. So you're you're escorted back inside. The ballroom has been redecorated at this point. Instead of the standing tables, there are long kind of think Harry Potter esque tables uh, that people can sit at for a more formal. Uh, meal kind of setup. However, they are broken up into chunks where you'll see that each table is about 14 or 15 people as opposed to like a 200 person table. Uh, Pedes comes back and finds you and kind of leads you towards the front of the hall, clearly more important towards that kind of, there's a front kind of host table as you would expect at a roast or any sort of royal uh, setup, where there are a number of the highest ranking imperial um, citizens. You feel if you had been the most impressive guests they'd ever had, you might have cleared that table. However, you are at one of the tables closest to the front. There are the three tables for the houses, clearly marked in their blue, black, and green. Um, you are have been invited to sit at a table with top-ranking imperial servants. Those probably, you would guess, the seconds to the people who are... Mm. Up at the very top. So, Pettis is sitting at the head of your table towards the front, uh, and he gets a chance. They've kind of dispersed your party around the other seats. Uh, however, they've put Mina and Seth together, or at least two of the chairs. I guess it's Piper, Seth, and Warden would all theoretically be seated together. Why don't we give Seth's collar to Warden? That feels like a way that it'll free you guys up to do what you're going to do. <laughs> yeah. So, Warden and Seth get to sit kind of at the end of the table as the bad boys. Um, Alongside you at the table, Pedes kind of does the, the quick introductions.
6: He's like, excellent, so we have our new guests here. And allow me to introduce you to some of the, the figures that you will be sitting alongside for a fantastic meal this evening. There is uh, the Whisperer of the Adeptus Admitter Stratum. His name is Trombonius.
5: Uh, and you just see this little hunched figure whose entire hands are soaked in ink inside his robes, which are kind of ink-stained as well. He's got splashes of it on his face that... Looking at it, they may be tattooed. You feel like that's his whole purpose. He's even got notes and two servitors with kind of pay- books and scrolls of vellum that he can make notes in. Um, the Whisperer, I think on this world, you just be aware, these are always the number twos. There's like the head of the organization and these are the
6: number twos kind of around the table. And he's like, uh, and this over here is the uh, second Magos, as he's known, the Magos biologist Ignatius Ironforth.
5: Then uh, you see Ignatius. Ignatius uh, actually hovers off the ground before he sits. He's got um, anti-grav generators and suspensors built into what looks like a skirt almost under his robe. So his robes go to the floor, but his body ends at the torso. And then there are what look like, for lack of a better term, but like pickle jar sized steel containers in a ring around him. And he's just floating. You can see a haze of air that kind of holds him up. Um, his torso is st- Pretty mechanical, though his arms seem relatively human, except for his hands, which have been replaced. Uh, and his face has been heavily altered into kind of a machine form, but he still has human eyes. And jarringly, he still has, like, human lips, uh, teeth, and a tongue. So when he Ooh. talks, he still sounds like a person. Hmm. Uh, and, and
6: so there's him, and he's like, ah, it's nice to meet y'all. Uh, and then <laughs> there, there is... a. Uh, there, there is a Chaser Bo who is the Vice Marshal of the Adeptus Arbites. Uh Bo Katan
5: is in full Arbites gear. He's removed his helmet uh, and his shotgun is strapped across his back, but he is still fully armed. Um, this is probably actually a good sign for you all because no one should be able to get a, a member of the Arbites to surrender their gear at any point. Um, they are cha- like that. One of their tasks is to kill planetary governors if they turn. So the governor can't yeah. be like, you got to hand in your gun. Um, <laughs> that's not allowed. Oh, uh,
7: seems fair. Oh, no, he's batty now. Oh, yeah.
5: <laughs> Chasener, uh, short black hair cropped, um, cropped pretty tight to his head. Uh, he's got, for lack of a better term, I would say he's built like a cartoon Bruce Wayne. Like if you think of the old Batman animated uh, series, that's a pretty good comp for Chasener bo inside his armor.
6: Um, he just gives you all a nod. Uh, then there is also uh, a, a chief astropath of the world uh, uh, known simply as KB. I don't know the entire meaning of his name, but he, he is known as as KB.
5: Um, and, he, and he's just hanging out, you know,
6: <laughs> living there says,
3: hello, gives like a friendly wave.
6: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think. And then uh, lastly, he says, and there is the, uh, the, the first officer of the system defense fleet. This is Vulcan Zygimer. Uh And there's just
5: uh, a man standing with him. He's wearing... Uh, Like white Navy uniform, it's clearly the dress uniform with some different kind of medals and signs of rank gold epaulettes. It's very fitted and tailored. Um, He's tall and very lean. He's got kind of the traditional Imperial aristocrat look. Uh, He's tall and lean enough you don't know if he was actually born outside of atmosphere. Like he could be from a family that's got a history of Naval service, um, but you're not entirely sure. So the seating order, instead of laying out a whole table, I think I'll just tell you kind of who you're each seated closest to. Um, we will say Piper, you're seated closest to KB. So you can have cool. Astropath conversations, which is fun. Um, Seth, uh, you will be seated closest to, I think the, uh, to Chasener or katan and the Adeptus Arbides as much to police your possible behavior as anything else. Um, Nero, we will put you next to, um, the, uh, Adeptus Mechanicus. So You're next to Ignatius Ironforth. Uh, and then another member comes up uh, to join your table. Uh, it is an older gentleman uh, on the shorter side, but still very kind of spry and energetic, wearing ecclesiastical robes. Uh,
6: and Peta says, "Oh yes, I didn't know if he would be joining us. This is uh, this is known as the first preacher, missionary vicar Estevez. Uh, and and
5: kind of the missionary just pulls out his chair and sits down very jauntily. Uh, quite pleased to be here. And He's like, "Oh right, So when are we gonna sit down and have a meal? Uh, at which point, uh, I would imagine, Sister, you would want to sit with uh, the missionary that feels like your vibe. So That's, two of that you are sitting feels
9: like home. Yeah, two uh, of you
5: are sitting with mission critical targets, which will be Nero with Ignatius Ironforth uh, and Seth with nur Bocatan. Uh, the other two of you are sitting with people that I think would be of most interest to you. Yeah,, uh, but before the conversations can begin, there is a sounding of trumpets. This is just kind of three notes. You just get, pa. ba ba, And lights come up on the stage and Graswald uh, saunters back out in the same outfit. Uh, only he's reversed the colors. So his coat is now gold and his boy shirt shorts are purple. Um, just that bald Matt Damon looking guy. And he's like, all right, so it's time for all of us to get the speeches from the Merit Adoptees. Uh, come on out, come on out. Uh, and they just, they tromp out the figures that you're expecting. kind you of have three microphones that rise from the
8: floor. Uh, first, so, I mean, you all know them. And you all love them. Uh, the first one to speak is going to be uh, Roberto Vance. Uh, and he just gestures
5: over to the side. So you, you realize at this point that House Vance is the black-robed, pale, kind of goggled house. Uh, Roberto is a very large, uh, man. Uh, he's got black hair that's running slightly below his shoulders, kind of hanging down. He's in a bit, uh, he's in like a fitted tuxedo with a vest, but underneath the vest, uh, there's no actual shirt. He is built in a size that you would think probably have only seen if you'd seen an Ogryn or if, I don't think any of you would have, but the idea of how a space Marine is built, like he's probably six foot seven just very broad, probably 300 pounds. He's built, like, for us, a professional wrestler, like, just a very big, big presence in that way. Um, uh, Let me just find the voice in my brain as I go through this flurry (laughs) of new characters.
6: Right, so my name's Roberto Vance, and it's nice to be here. So one thing I want you all to know is that Vance is strong, and we know the dark. And at the end of this, we're going to bring you all into the light because we know prom, we're diggers, we're miners. We make the holes that we bring out the prom, we bring back the fortune. And if anyone messes with our house, I swear by the emperor, you'll end up in one of the holes we would have loved to take you out of. So just know, we can bring you out of the dark, we can walk you into it. House fans. Graswald's like,
8: all right, that was great. Uh, Then that is also... Uh, they, well, I can never remember these names. They were only adopted last week. This isn't my fault. Uh, <laughs> uh, Krungus Marcus of House Marcus. Uh,
5: Krungus is in green. Uh, and is even bigger than the other candidates in the same way that, generally speaking, the people you've seen in green are bigger uh, than the other nobles. So almost seven and a half feet tall, burly- oh, wow over-muscled to that, like, too-many-steroids-in-one-person kind of way. Uh, He's got a mohawk and several piercings in his jaw and ears. Uh, And he is dressed basically in pants, and the rest of him is just almost like tattoos of various imperial phrases, various oaths. You can actually see business contracts have been tattooed onto him as though that was more permanent than other forms of records. Uh, and he's, he flexes as he steps up to his mic, clearly playing into that bulk that he's got.
6: My name is Kronos Marcus, and I'm here. We're going to build a future. We're going to build it on the back of House Marcus. Everyone else is around with the puny digging holes. Or oh, what about hope for the future? Nothing will get you there without the strength of House Marcus. If you've got a problem with us, fuck you. If you like us, maybe we fuck you all right yeah it's gonna be good house markers forever so
5: well that was that was it there's it was like yeah everybody just gets the round of applause basically from their own table and just cold nothing from from the rest of the room
7: i mean double door is uh, gonna give all the points to fucking house marcus later anyway so what's the point yeah why even cheer for our own houses
5: uh, the <laughs> servants around you seem to give the same half-assed applause to every house because they're aware one of these will become the governor. Uh, so they're ready to kind of deal with the fallout as they have to, but they're clearly not leaning one way or the other. Uh, Graswald steps up to his mic, which I, I think he's, he's just stepping a half a step back and stepping up again grandly every time as though he's desperate to pull focus.
8: He's like, yes, that was great. Great. We're getting a lot of strong representation from strong people. And then the last, uh, the representative of House Bain. It's Lucia
5: Bain. Uh Lucia steps forwards. Uh Lucia is as kind of broad and tall as um Roberto Vance. Uh, she is dressed also in the same kind of suit that you would expect uh now to see from the three candidates. They're all kind of in the same formal, one could say business attire. Uh, but also she she's doing the vest and actually has. The sleeves of a jacket, only they cross in a belt in the front and the back of her vest. So there's really strong shoulders. You can see she is just Uh as well-muscled as the others. Clearly, all three of them have been general enhanced and kind of souped up by the Magos biologists of this world. Uh, And she steps over to the mic. She's the only one who seems to actually be in any way, for lack of a better term, presidential compared to the other two leaders. Just like raising a glass and raising a hand.
8: So, I'm here to represent House Bain
5: and a future that I believe we can all move towards. There are those of us who are strong and there are those of us who dig holes and create the world. And I believe we actually have to move forward together. I'm hoping that we can u- unite these houses and build a grand future so that there can be a future not just
8: for our industry, but for our people
5: and this system and beyond to the next. Uh, in her table cheers uproariously uh, and the other two tables just fucking boo. Like it is just a whole crowd of fuck this lady is what's going on. There's not a lot of uh fans going on. It devolves into a shouting match on stage. Graswald cuts their mics. Then Graswald sends security out to separate them before they start a fist fight. They're hauled off and Graswald's like, yes,
8: yes, sir. Dinner will be here in a minute. Make friends and don't like your enemies. I don't really care. No one's got guns anymore. So,
5: Fuck you, eat soon. Uh, And he just staggers back over to the bar that they've now wheeled several feet closer to him because he doesn't seem as solid on his feet as he was the first time he talked. Uh, And he is just pounding back uh, drinks where he's standing. Again, he is clearly as genhanced as the others. He just seems to treat himself vastly worse. So with the speech is done, everyone's kind of sitting down. There's an order, like a round of drinks that are served and each of you has a chance to kind of chat with your seatmate. So I'd love to hear how those conversations go before the dinner is served. I'd say each of you has time to have kind of a brief chat with whoever your contact or seatmate is.
9: Olean will, uh, for the dinner, she's going to take off the coat, the the cloak, but like keep it so you can't see the inside. But so when she's seated, it's like a haze of red around her face and like stained here, but the rest of her dress <laughs> is fine. <laughs> <laughs> So she looks a little worse for wear, but.
6: So are you the one that killed that Grox in the name of the Emperor?
9: She's she sits a little a little taller, and she's like, "Yes, I am. Why don't you oh. tell me about how things are going with the ecclesiarchy in this area?
8: Well, I'm know a, tr- a visitor. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here.
5: Not enough people pray after they commit homicide here. And I feel like that's a big missing thing from the general ecclesiarch. So obviously, my name's Vicar Vicar Extivate. So I'm, I'm aware the name Vicar seems a bit ironic for an imperial servant, but sometimes the emperor just knows what he wants. So I've held on to my name missionary. I've, I've ran around since a couple of different systems. I'm actually a visitor myself. I've only been here about a year or two. I'll move on eventually, but I accidentally got promoted, so I feel like I can do some good work. But uh, yeah, so up, up top, and he just points to the main table, and he's like, there's, there's our deacon, Teal and Seth. He's an intense fellow. He uh, seems more interested in the politics uh, and a lot of the screaming about burning things than he is about helping the average person, which is why I've agreed to stay on. But uh, what brings you here? I understand you're part of the whole prom thing, but you seem like someone a bit more holy than, let's say, the drunk man or the murderer
9: she just looks very put upon for a moment, and like she's gathering herself, and she says, "Man, I gotta to remember what if what they said it was called here."
5: The clean energy. Yeah, collective. that's what I
9: I got it. I got it. <laughs> she's like, she's like, I am but a humble servant of the clean energy front. She says, "Very, very put upon," and then she's like. Can I ask you a question?
5: Absolutely. And he gets quiet and leans in too, because he's, he's fine with this. Yeah,
9: yeah. And she's like, How, have you ever found yourself surrounded by people who are just so grating? Is there, is there a prayer you could offer me to get through this trying time? Well, I
8: mean, first.
5: And he just raises a hand and slowly points at everyone at all the other tables. And then the whole front table. And then he points like three times at the deacon. And he's like,
10: yes. (laughs) Uh, Second,
8: I think every time you can hunt through that mess to find someone that you
6: believe is of value, someone that you can find a core belonging with, or someone that you can save, helping them is your prayer. Also, you seem like a holy person and I like you. The group you're supposed to have joined is called the Clean Energy
10: Collective. Not the clean energy front. But your secret's safe with me, because you seem like a good'un.
9: She's going to sigh and just... (laughs) Oh, you are quite right, but I'm glad that you understand and we can have an accord.
6: You seem like you might be in a bit of a rough place in terms of your friends and the sheer amount of murder I've seen going on.
5: Uh, and he just slides out a, a little like prayer wafer. Uh, and on the back of it, you can see uh, in a script, I would say it's probably written in high Gothic, which I feel like you would be someone who could engage with from mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. church times. Yep. Uh, it is it is the written form of a series of numbers that are clearly a vox code that will let you call him personally in a way that will get you around other channels. And he's Give like-
8: you them them deets. Yeah, there may be a time
5: where you need someone to help you. Stay, let's say, on the right path.
6: Uh, and I'm happy to do that. You seem, again, like a good one.
9: Mm-hmm. We all need pious friends in these desperate times. I thank you greatly.
5: Now, with the two of us, let's try to say a fanciful enough grace to cover about all 500 people in this room.
9: Oh, they're going to need it. Yes.
5: And I think you two share like uh, one of those rows of prayer beads and both start going through some Ave Imperators in the hope you can at least try to clear enough of the Beal to not have this entirely be blasphemous. A plus. Uh, Nero, you get a chance to talk to Ignatius Ironforth, uh, who is sitting with you.
7: Yeah. So he seemed, uh, pretty jolly in his introduction to us. So I'll kind of match that tone. <clears throat> I think, uh, that said I was full body clenched when all of them were introduced because I'm aware that one of them is involved in heresy and that's a real bummer for me. Um, so, uh, kind of shakily turning back to him, I'll say, um, so, uh, second, uh, uh, Magos, uh, Ignatius Ironforth, uh, it is—it's uh, a real pleasure uh, to to get to make your acquaintance. Well, uh, and it's a
10: pleasure to meet you too. I'm a big fan of everything Prometheum. I mean, I'm admittedly—I treasure my title of Magos Biologist more so than uh, being second Magos. Not that I don't love, you know, Fabricator Biologist Cathane. I mean, love, 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 great employer. But uh, yeah,
5: I kind of well, prefer my Magos time.
7: Yeah, that I, I no, I, you know, I, I totally get that. Uh, I really do. I, I understand um okay can you tell me a bit about that uh, so so you work in in and you'll forgive me that the terms uh, escape me somewhat and I'll take like an overly obvious sip of my drink um, both to cover my nervousness about the possible new man in the room and also uh, to kind of continue the the drunk ploy which is less and less a ploy and more and more just where Nero is. The magos um, nods uh, and sips a glass of amasec himself,
5: but then spits it back into the glass. You get the sense that he can taste things, but he probably mm-hmm. has a different system for
7: actually eating. Uh, so uh, tell me, tell me about uh, sorry, by your magos bio, what?
10: Yes, I'm a magos biologist. What this means is uh, I can enhance and study the human form. So I do a certain amount of gen enhancement. As you've looked around at the nobles, you can see
5: many
0: yeah, of them are tall. Wow
7: is that, is that your work? Did you, did you do them? I don't do all of them, but I, I
5: do, you know, consult and deal with most of the highest cases the the oh, highest wow. noble families, their
10: relatives, that that's my specialty.
7: Well, Hey, that's, that's, that's fascinating. You know, back, back where I've come from uh, you know, people who look like me, we were the best, <laughs> we were the best uh, there, there were back back where I'm from. Um, so, you know, we, yeah, we'd work out and we, we'd go for runs and we'd, you know, uh, we we invented this thing called CrossFit. Uh, I, I'll tell you about it once we're done eating, uh, or maybe now. I don't know. We'll get to it. But we would work really, really hard, uh, best we could, uh, to make our, our bodies as as awesome as they could be. But you know, I look at these guys. These are these are things of beauty. You've <laughs> honestly, I wish I could show the people back home. You seem to have done incredible work. What what do you look for in in uh, in a human body? You're looking to transform in, in such an incredible way.
10: Well, I mean, the big key for me is just, is it a human body? Because other than that, I'm here to fix problems, not kind of pl- build upon strengths. Nobody here needs to work out. That's so backwards. I can just
5: reprogram your genetic sequence and build some synth muscle in there, and then I extend your bones. It's very painful, but I mean, at the end, you can go from, I mean, Krungus was kind of tiny to begin with, but Krungus, look at that.
10: Look at that. That was two years' work, but it paid off.
7: Well, look, l- let me ask you a question. I, I, I Obviously, I, I don't... I am but a simple uh, rogue trader, so you'll forgive me if, and, uh, clearly, from a backward planet, I think um, human bodies, uh, as I understand it, they're all they're all different. They all have different, uh, you know, uh, challenges and things. You must uh, you must have to keep a pretty close eye on on the genetics of, of each of these these people you're working with, right? To make sure you're not accidentally introducing something wild, like some outlier, into their system. They'll just you know a blam, you know, uh, what's that like? Oh, absolutely. We have to stay within
5: human norm. We're not looking for any trouble with the Inquisition. We're not trying to put any Xenos in there. There's a certain yeah, yeah. amount of ab-human you can play within, and then you got to, you know, know your limit and play within it. That's mm-hmm. what we always say at the Magos Biologists. So that's a big key. So, yeah, we have to take their genetics to begin with so that we have a nice, strong baseline where if the Inquisition shows up, we're like, here's where they started, here's where they are. Please mm-hmm. don't kill mm-hmm. me
7: wow that's uh that is that is incredible
5: now, obviously we keep those things safe we can't just go handing out people's genetic sequences then you can do targeted viruses it's a whole security mess
7: uh, for sure and i mean look i, I gotta tell you as someone who deals in in space travel and trade you know uh the 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 possibility of an inquisitorial audit hangs heavy you know it's the blade over all of our heads uh, I, I get that um listen um I know there's a lot going on right now with, with the whole gubernatorial race and, and all that. And it's, it's very exciting where we're thrilled to be here. And honestly, I'm very excited about this prom deal I'm working on, but um, I, I know I gotta tell you, I, I am feeling very, very inferior uh, looking at, looking at these hard bodies and no amount of CrossFit will, will help me reach that, that level. Uh, you think I could uh, book a, a consultation with you, uh, you know, sometime over the next couple of days, I'd, I just really love, love for you to, you know, see, see what's available, see what my options are. Uh, you know, cause I just, I really think I could be better than, than I am.
5: Uh, Ironforth looks at you for a moment and kind of cocks his head and seems like looks you up and down with his human eyes. And then he glances over to Pettis and Pettis who's sitting at the head of the table, just like with a drink in each hand, Mm. like one of those leader beer steins each, he's just pounding the back and he looks over and he just clinks them together and gives Ironforth a nod and then goes back to chugging. So Ironforth turns back to you and he's like, well,
10: I think I've got an opening tonight. You know, after the dinner, we could maybe do your original sequence. Oh, hey, yeah, that'd be great. fabulous. Fabulous. All right, so well,
5: I guess let's uh, let's keep drinking our drinks. Am I right? And he takes a big sip of his
7: drink and spits it back into his cup, disgustingly. Um, and I'll say, uh, you know, honestly, Ignatius, I, I really feel like we're on the same page. And I'll clink his drink, and I'll take or with with mine. I'll take a big sip, uh, and then I'm also gonna spit mine back into my glass in kind of a camaraderie way. But also now knowing that I'm like legit on the job. Later, no matter how spooked I am, I'm also drunk enough now that the concern for everything is there, but muted. So I'm like, cool, it's this level and no deeper, uh, unless needed. So, um, yeah, I'll just continue to, to make idle chat with him, uh, pleasantly, I think. And honestly, admittedly, like, um, Nero does find this weird branch fascinating. So it's, it's not, um, it's not having to do a lot of work for this. This is legitimately an area he would want to know more about. Great. And
5: I think, yeah, so you get, after you spit out the drink, you feel like he gets, he gives like a weird ha 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 ha. And you realize his laughter might be fucked up. He could talk normally, but he clearly didn't nail the laugh, mm-hmm. but he definitely is starting to like consider you a friend. So <laughs> I feel like this conversation did well for you. Great. Um, Piper, you're chatting with KB, the chief astropath of the world. Mm-hmm. How do you introduce yourself?
3: Um, I think (laughs) it's kind of just like putting out my hand and be like, hello, I'm Piper. I'm an astropath too, in case you didn't know. Uh, You probably knew that.
10: I mean, you're the chief here, right? Mm. Ah, I'm KB. Uh, It's nice to meet you. I love sending messages and receiving them. Oh, hey, I do that too.
3: I really enjoy it. Oh,
10: nice to meet another. What did the emperor look like to you? To me, he was a big ball of light like the sun.
3: It's exactly like that. that. Yes, me too. Like a big, like, column of light, but like a sun. And it was like, oh, it was like, awing, and I was just, I, I mean, overcome. So over, overcome so much that, like, I, I was blinded.
10: So what's it like being sent out among the stars? Because I have to live here with the people on the ground.
3: Well, I mean, I basically, my first posting was, like, pretty much in the void at, like, a relay station where the other astropath I was supposed to take over for just refused to die. So I, like, haven't actually been able to do much. This is kind Ah. of, yeah, like, I've been kind of out here for not too long, like, really only in, like, the past year.
10: I did not know death was optional. I shall choose to live.
3: Well, I mean, like, I think he was going to die, and then I think... I, like, came along and he was like, oh, no, like, I'm not going to die. I'm like, no, I still have, like, worth. And I'm like, well, I mean, that's good for you. But, like, now what the hell am I supposed to do? It's like a freaking relay station out in nowhere. Do you know how many messages get sent through relay stations out in the middle of nowhere? Four? About that. (laughs) (laughs) Ah,
10: interesting, interesting.
3: So I have to say, like, being out, I'm, like, sending a lot more messages, receiving a lot more messages. It's, like... Get to do my thing, you know?
10: Get you to serve to know- the Emperor. Do you want to know a secret I only tell other astropaths? Well, <laughs> of course. And she just leans in. Everyone here just thinks I'm named KB, but what it really stands for is Killer Burrito, because whenever I would eat those in the Astropathy Choir, my farts would be Killer.
3: <laughs> That's a. Am- Wait, did you name yourself or did the rest of the choir name you?
10: A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, but look where I am now. KB, and no one knows but you and me, and every other astropath I've met. I, that's honestly quite delightful.
3: I think that's something that a lot of astropaths don't get. Like, they don't get the joy in our work.
10: No, because it kills you. But I mean, it's, it's got its ups and downs. Um, what's your secret that you can only tell me? Oh,
3: um, I mean, I don't have many secrets.
10: Well oh, there's a lie. Well
3: yeah. Ha, 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 ha. That's very yes, very apt. Um okay, no, I do have one that I can tell you though. Like okay, so you can't tell you can't tell anyone else. But, okay. but um I don't know, maybe you've had the same thing. Like I tried to like um just, like, do a little, like, check on, like, how's the mater- immaterium feeling, like, around here? Because, you know, it's kind of nice to get a baseline before you do anything, like, big. Yeah, and it was, re- it was really kind of freaky and got me a little bit scared. And I'm like, whoo, I better step back from this.
10: What? What did you sense?
3: Ah, uh, I'm not really sure. There seemed to be something... And I kind of dropped my voice. I'm like, heretical.
10: Uh-oh. Um, like, like... That's very vague uh, What Describe the feeling You and I both know We can talk in feelings Because we're astropaths
3: Well The feeling I was kind of getting Like And Ryan like You, you can change this if you want
6: No no, no
8: <laughs> like, you'll be fine
3: okay. um, I mean I was kind of getting The feeling of like An old threat That's been like renewed Like really old Like heresy old
5: Ah, ah, ah. And you realize he's on one of those
10: like old man thinking loops. (laughs) Uh, And you're like, ah, well, I didn't get that, but I like you. I'm going to call you Piper.
5: (laughs) He nicknames you your own name because he's old (laughs) enough that he realized he didn't know anything else
10: other than Piper. Wait, what's your last name?
0: Fairly. All right, I'm
10: going to nickname you PF. I'm KB and you're PF. We'll be friends. Let's... Or enemies, Up to you You sense things I don't sense and that's weird No,
3: no, 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 no. friends, friends, friends Always
10: friends Ah, we'll see, let's drink <laughs> <laughs> You realize KB may be insane
5: But he's at least charming <laughs> uh, Seth, you are shackled and collared And sitting next to an Adeptus Arbides vice marshal How does yeah. this conversation go?
1: Uh, I think that's what Seth is thinking too Um, um <laughs> He's going to sit in silence for a minute and see if the Adeptus is has any interest in speaking to, you know, a prisoner uh, and murderer. Um, I'm assuming he doesn't, but Seth is going to wait to see if he starts ending. If not, Seth will try and grasp for something to speak to this guy about to get some information.
5: Yeah, I think Bo-Katan is sitting at the table, just ramrod straight with his arms folded in his lap, basically staring straight ahead. He's not participating in anything social.
1: Yeah. So I think uh, after you know downing another drink, Seth will um. Uh, will say uh. He'll raise he'll he his shackled hands and his cauterized finger and say, "That's uh, some fine work your boys did earlier." Just <laughs> show him his his mangled hand. They don't work for me. That's spire guard. If it was up to me, you'd have been dead. Right. So the Spire Guard then, they're all, they work for who then? Uh, The golden boy up there. They are under the command of House Cologne for as long as House Cologne is the planetary governor. And then they shift over to whoever wins this race. Just like every other
6: citizen on the world, they are servants of the emperor and whomever the emperor deems should be in charge. Loyalty right. goes beyond anything else, all to the throne. Right, right.
1: Um, I don't think I'm going to get much out of this guy. <laughs> um, and Seth, uh, you know, made some really bold assumptions earlier and, and got everybody in trouble for it. So I think he's going <laughs> to just like, I think he's just going to cool it. I don't think he's going to push it with with this guy. Uh,
5: Bo-Katan is going to reach down to his pocket and just take out uh, a box with a little kind of, like, thumb scanner on and say,
6: put your thumb down here. I want to know who the fuck you are.
1: Uh, and what do I know about thumb scanners?
5: Uh, you know that he would have access to, theoretically, the Arbyte's database if your fingerprints have been stored anywhere and you know your record has been theoretically expunged by the Inquisition, but you don't know how many open investigations exist on various worlds with your names attached to them. So you really don't want to put your thumb on this
1: scanner. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, then I'll say, um, well, as, as a servant of my lord over there across the table, I am not permitted to do such things uh those of us that work under him we are his things you'll need his permission oh so you're one of those fucking lawyer types yeah well you're lucky you got pardoned by that
6: goddamn governor you step out of line again and i'll put you in a box so fast you'll die
1: and seth (laughs) was like kind of mathing out like what is he talking about like Put me in a box. I'll be alive when I'm in the box, but he'd do it so fast, that's what kills me. I'm going to kill you before you get to jail. He immediately knows, like, not to ask these questions out loud. (laughs) It was just kind of, like, puzzling through it. It's not important. People like Uh, you are exactly why I don't like going to these fucking dinners.
9: (laughs) Oh,
1: jeez. Have you been to dinners like this before for these sorts of gubernatorial events, as I understand it, the Cologne house has reigned for quite some time. Yeah, no, it's
6: more celebrations and fucking promotions. Nobody's had to do this governor thing for a while. Things are going to be an absolute shit fest for three days.
1: It's Uh going to be
5: hidden activities, fucking secret betrayals, breach of contract, homicide, espionage. I wish I could just put everyone in this room
1: into a cell and shake them till they tell me the fucking truth. And would you have the means to do that if it came down to it? If we could prove that the
6: governor and the heads of houses were all corrupt and plotting against the emperor, if the tithes fail, oh yeah, the shackles are waiting and fucking Bertha's ready to deal out some
5: justice. I uh, mean he just takes out his shotgun from off his back and just starts petting. Her. He's like, You're a good girl, Bertha.
6: You love the emperor. <laughs> no more talking, it's Bertha time. Yeah, <laughs> he's, okay. he's clearly just focusing on his <laughs> shotgun now. Yeah.
5: Uh, and he, yeah. he takes out stuff to like disassemble and clean his rifle, uh, so he's just stuck in weapon town, leaving you sitting with Warden, who looks at you as though even Warden is disappointed with how this went, uh, yeah. at which point you hear a barrage of music again. Just uh, This is only a single note, just like... Barrr! Uh, And the side doors open and just chains of servants come out, all of them carrying platters of various sizes, uh, delivering them to all of the tables. Uh, You realize why there's so much room on your table. Uh, And it's because as the trays are delivered, they're very big for some of you Um, and they're revealed as they're laid down. So a tray is set in front of Pedez and in front of Nero that are kind of the normal, normal, what you would expect for a dinner plate. When lifted up, it's clear that their headless Grix cats have been cleaned and prepared and delivered to them. Uh, You don't get a whole Grox, sister, (laughs) but you do get a lot of Grox. I think, again, the missionary is thrilled because he basically pot-shotted the world's smallest bird and his is like really disappointing. Uh, However, he will happily share with you. Uh, Warden gets his bird. It seems like the majority of people went with birds. And then the two largest platters are set in front of Seth and in front of Piper. And you can see the servants holding them are kind of horrified. And then they pull the tops off and reveal uh, the dead, flensed, and cooked bodies of the people that you have murdered. Uh, And they hand everyone your knives and forks because the Delecta menti mortem has begun and you're expected to eat what you killed.
4: This episode of The Valentine Heresy features Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter as Interrogator Nero Abignale, Laura Hamstra at EL Hamstring on Twitter as Piper Fairley, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter as Seth Corbin, Del Borvik at Del Tastic on Twitter as Sister Olian and Mina, and our game master Ryan Laplante at The Ryan on Twitter.
5: Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time Christian Menicola, the half blind prophet, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield, Lord Bradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, Jordan Neesmith, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Cade Peters. Richard Cranium, Anna Zed, Eric Williams, Logan, Fire on Friendly, Acrix, Cameron Ezel, Grandma Likes D&D, Austin Nut Powers Fry, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you.
0: The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.
2: In the alley, the scent is stronger, overpowering. As I watch, the overhead lamps flicker and wink out one by one. God damn it. No. The girl appears briefly under the last streetlight, the headphones snug against her ears, the Walkman clasped to her hip. She's oblivious as she walks, lost in her own world. Hey, stop! I need to talk to you! Then she's swallowed up by the darkness again. Helen! Wait a second! (laughs) It strikes her in the gloom so fast she barely has time to scream. She falls into the edge of the lamplight and lies there, bleeding, motionless. The man's skin is scaly, flaking, and there are patches of soot on his cheeks. He stares at me with eyes like midnight. Eyes that are devoid of remorse, devoid of humanity. He's one of them. I turn and run, and I don't look back. The Road of Shadows, a new mystery
1: and suspense audio drama by Mark R. Healy, creator of The Strata. Listen now at theroadofshadows.com